detailed description of all the parts, components, structure of this system, and then talk about the physiology, how this works, how the system works, and how it is involved in the functioning of the human body. Um, yes? Which one? I can't hear you very well. Oh, this one? I mean the lights. And today we have the lab on tegumentary system, on skin. The Tuesday, on Tuesday we'll have the lab practical, the first lab practical, and it will be from all the labs that we've been doing up to today. So this lab today will be included also in the, uh, in the practical on Tuesday. Some words about the lab practical on Tuesday. It will start at 9 a.m. Remember that. It will start at 9 a.m. And uh, we have to be on time because if you miss five or ten minutes, you will miss part of the exam. Be careful with that. And there will be at least 30 questions coming from the slides that we've been seeing. And as I said, I'm not going to use microscopes. I'm going to ask questions on photographs of microscopic slides. Questions from all the labs we've been doing regarding tissues. You need to know to identify the type of tissue, name it properly, and give at least one example of each type of tissue. Regarding the other labs, the review sheets are very important. Um, study guide for you. So all the, the review sheets that you've been turning in are here. Uh, during the break, I will just put it on the counters. You can pick, pick up yours. I've, I've recorded all of them. You got credit for all of them. And um, after the lecture, during the break, before the lab, I will be giving you your, uh, your scores of the lecture exam of last week. Okay, so we can talk more, um, more about the lab practical during the break and during the lab time. Um, let's start with this uh, lecture on tegumentary system and uh, let's go over these slides that explain the anatomy and physiology of the skin. First, components of the integumentary system, the skin and what we call accessories or uh, <coughs> secondary components of the skin, which are the hairs, nails, and two types of glands. Sweat glands, also known as the oil glands, um, I mean sebaceous or oil glands, and sweat glands. Two types of glands. So let's go describing each part of the integumentary system, starting with the skin. Skin has three components as we see here. And the slide talks about two regions because usually what we do is to count epidermis and dermis. 
hypodermis is the deepest layer, but it's also known as fascia, superficial fascia, because it's the connection with deeper players like the muscles. But anyways, starting from the most superficial, from the most superficial, we find the epidermis. The epidermis is what we have described previously as epithelial tissue. And we took that example of skin for stratified squamous epithelium. It's avascular, again, another reminder of that in this slide. And the next layer, the second layer, deeper to the epidermis, is called dermis. And the components of the dermis is connective tissue. We'll see what type of connective tissue specifically are, are components of the dermis. It is vascular. This is where all the blood vessels are running in the dermis, not in the epidermis. And the third layer, called hypodermis, or superficial fascia, is called the subcutaneous layer. And it's made of basically of adipose tissue. Adipose tissue, hypodermis. Adipose tissue is a type of connective tissue which function is protection. That's why we emphasize that here, shock and insulates, absorbs shocks and insulates. And as I said, is the layer that will connect the skin to underlying structures like muscles. If you examine the skin, like the skin we have on top of our arms, upper limbs or lower limbs, we are able to commonly say pinch the skin like this. And the layer that slides and you feel that slides and you can have a sense of the muscles deeper, well that layer that slides is the hypodermis or subcutaneous uh, layer. That's why there is a technique of um, injection called hypodermic or hypodermis or subcutaneous injection. What we do is pinch the skin, make a fold of the skin and put the needle in that fold, making sure the needle gets into the hypodermis or subcutaneous layer. The diagram of the components of the skin is here where we see the epidermis, the dermis, and the hypodermis or subcutaneous tissue. And if you notice here, the hypodermis is depicted as yellow circles, adipose tissue. Is the adipose tissue. Now this diagram is very complete because it shows all the components of the skin that we, or the tegmentary system that we're gonna describe today. Um, and we're gonna go part by part, we'll see this diagram again at the end, like a summary of all the things that we have described. And in the lab, we have some models here in this card. And one of the activities that you have to do is to use these models to identify all these parts, or the most of you can, as you, of you, that you can in these models. So let's start describing the epidermis. What's in the epidermis? as we said, is stratified 
stratified squamous epithelium. And there are some types of cells to describe here. The main type of cell is called keratinocytes. Keratinocytes, because they produce this protein called keratin. It was a keratin protein. The pro this protein will give additional protection, additional protection to this stratified squamous epithelium. It's the major type, the main type of cell of the epidermis. The desmosomes that we have described previously as cell junction is found in connecting all these keratinocytes. And these are the cells that we lose every day because they are continuously being replaced. That's another thing that sometimes is mentioned by documentaries and like an interesting fact that every single moment we are I mean, replacing skin cells and those cells are just I mean, being lost to the environment. And everything that we touch, we leave dead cells on them. Our clothes are full of our dead cells. If we go to the microscopic level and see, we'll see millions of cells of the epidermis. Well, that's the main type. The second type is called melanocyte. And the melanocyte produces this pigment called melanin. Melanin is a brown pigment. These cells are located in the deepest layers, deepest epidermis. And the pigment is arranged in inclusions, cytoplasmic inclusions called melanosomes. Melanosomes. Very important because these melanosomes from melanocytes, they are in the deepest layer of the, of the epidermis, or the deepest uh, area. But the function of this pigment is to block the ultraviolet radiation from the sun because this is what is dangerous. This is what it hurts the DNA of the cells and produces mutations that can end up in cancer sometimes. So the presence of melanin in our skin is very important to protect our cells from damage, from ultraviolet radiation. As a matter of fact, uh, people with less amount of melanin in the skin, they have more risk of skin cancer after exposure to the sun, excessive exposure to the sun. So that's the melanocyte. The third type of cell, dendritic cells, also known as Langerhans cell. And they are actually macrophages. Macrophages that are cells of the immune system. They are there to protect from invasion. There's always microorganisms on our skin and Minor injuries may happen and the bacteria try to invade and when they get inside they are crossing the epidermis and that's where they are um, uh, captured by the macrophages called dendritic cells or Langerhans cells. And number four, the Merkel cells or tactile cells, which are actually sensory receptors, very superficial sensory receptors 
to detect sensations, touch sensations um, on the surface of our skin. So these are the four types of cells that we find in the epidermis. Any question about these types of cells? In this picture, we show all these types of cells that we just mentioned. The Langerhans cells, where is my pen here? The Langerhans cell is shown as a cell in between the keratinocytes. It's there to protect. It's there to protect. The melanocyte is shown here with a brown cytoplasm. And as I say, they are located in the basal layer, the deepest layer of the epidermis. You see here the bracket showing the epidermis. Sensory nerve terminal connecting to the Merkel, Merkel cell. In yellow, that's the sensory receptor. And all the cells, the rest of the cells like this one, they are the keratinocytes the keratinocytes. Okay, let's go to the next. Now the epidermis is arranged in layers, layers of cells. Since it's stratified squamous epithelium, there are many layers. But in the epidermis we can describe up to five layers. This epidermis may be of different thickness. Actually, we have areas of skin that are thick skin, and other areas thin skin. The thick skin contains up to five layers. Where we find this thick skin, well, very easy to know, and the places where we have more contact with uh, the outside environment like palms on the hand, the skin covering the elbow, which is always in contact with the tables or surfaces, skin of our feet. So thick skin contains up to five layers. And thin skin, we find four layers. This is the list of layers. The stratum basal, the spinosum, the stratum granulosum, stratum lucidum, this one is only present in thick skin, and stratum cornea. Let's go over these layers one by one and see what are the main description of each layer. Starting with the basal, basal or basal layer. Stratum basal or basal layer. That's the deepest, is in the basal surface of the epithelium. And that's the one attached to the dermis. One thing about the basal layer is that you see cells in mitosis. You always see cells in mitosis in this layer because that is the layer of cells that will be actively reproducing and replacing the rest of the cells. Every time it gives place to two cells and it starts pushing up the rest of the cells. And here in the basal layer of stratum basal is where we find the melanocytes. 
the melanocytes are in the basal layer. Go back to this picture that we showed. We see the melanocyte as part of the basal layer. And look at this, they are showing us one cell of the basal layer in active mitosis. That's what we see in the basal layer or stratum basal. Okay, let's go to this second layer. Stratum spinosum or prickly layer. This is the thickest, I mean, many layers of cells, many layers of cells, and they are the ones that connect strongly to each other through desmosomes. And they look kind of spiky, that's why the name, common name, prickle cells. And in between we see melanosomes and dendritic cells. Melanosomes and dendritic cells. Going quickly to the first picture here, you can see that the Langerhans cell or the dendritic cell is in between all these keratinocytes. Melanosomes are the melanocytes. You see the melanocytes with projections here in between these cells. Well, that's, those projections are in between the keratinocytes. Okay, that is the stratum spinosum. Third, granulosum, stratum granulosum. Most important characteristic is that they contain granules. Maybe four to six cells thick. Cells are getting flatter, they're flat. And the most important thing, as I said, is that granules are present in the cytoplasm. Those, what, what those granules mean? Those granules contain keratohyaline granules, so keratin actually, because these are the cells that will start producing more keratin. This process is called keratinization, which means the cell start producing keratin and the cytoplasm of the cell at a certain point is full of this protein called keratin. And now, as long as we get farther from the basal layer, these cells get far from the blood vessels, which are in the dermis. So they have less support, less nutritional support, and they will start to die. So above this granulosome layer, the cells will start to die. We're going back to the diagram again here. We see the, in this picture, it's called granular layer. This is the granulosome layer. And you can see these keratinocytes getting flat and with a lot of granules in their cytoplasm, like small dots. We are here. Next is called stratum lucidum. This layer is only found in thick skin only in thick skin. And as the name says, it's a clear layer. It's a layer like a transparent, clear, thin, translucent. 
What is made of? Dead keratinocytes. Dead keratinocytes. Right above the stratum granulosum. Right above the stratum granulosum. Remember, only in thick skin. If you see a slice of thin skin, you won't be able to see. It's not present. It's not present in thin skin. Only thick skin. And the most superficial layer is called stratum corneum. Stratum corneum. It's usually very thick, up to 30 rows of cells that are flat, dead cells actually, keratinized dead cells. So they are full of keratin. All the cytoplasm is full of keratin. And this is actually what makes a difference in relation to which skin is thicker than other. If we see a segment of the skin uh, covering our elbows, we'll see that the stratum corneum is really thick. The commonly called calluses, the thick layer that we see and feel, is actually stratum corneum, most of it. And the, 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 the function of this is protection, is essentially protection. So whenever there is more chance for abrasion, penetration, injury, we will have more stratum corneum. And at the same time, is a good barrier, a good barrier against different types of problems, biological problems, microorganism invasion, chemicals, physical, assault, the stratum corneum. Apoptosis, apoptosis. That means programmed cell death or controlled cell death. All the cells, especially the skin, they have in their DNA that program that says these cells will live for this number of days and after that it will be reabsorbed and destroyed. And that's how the skin cells, after some time, they die and they are replaced by other cells that are growing in the basal layer and pushing all these cells up. They get far from the blood vessels, they will die. And those dead cells that we usually call dendruff, dender cells that we um, lose every single day. Questions, comments? This is a microscopic slide, a, thick, a photograph of a slide where we see all these layers that we just described. How many layers we can count? Starting from the most superficial, the stratum corneum, which is all this. All this up to here. All that is stratum corneum, dead keratinized cells. Next layer, stratum granulosum, from here to here. And you can see cells with dark cytoplasm. If you see carefully, you will see granules in their cytoplasm. Then the stratum spinosum, which is all this thick, here to here. And the stratum basal, 
the one resting on connective tissue, which is the dermis. So is this thick or thin skin? It's thin. It has only four layers. It's not five. Five is for thick skin. What layer is missing? The lucidum. The lucidum is usually here in thick skin. But again, this is thin skin. All right, that was the epidermis. That was the epidermis. One of the parts of the lab today is to watch some slides and identify some of these layers. Some of them are really clear. Some others perhaps will not be so clear, but as many layers as you can see. The basal layer, obviously. Stratum corneum. You can see some granulosum, spinosum, of course. Lucidum may be or may not be present in some of these slides. Next layer, the dermis. The dermis is connective tissue. Described as strong, flexible, because there are two types of connective tissue in the dermis. And as connective tissue, it contains all the cells that we have described in connective tissue, fibroblasts, macrophages, mast cells, white blood cells. This is a layer that contains blood vessels and also nerves, of course, lymphatics also. This is the place, a layer where we find the hair follicles and the glands that we have mentioned, oil glands and sweat glands. The dermis is composed by two layers two layers of connective tissue, called papillary layer and reticular layer. In this photograph, we can see all these layers, or these two layers of the skin, of the dermis. First, epidermis. The epidermis with the stratum corneum. Here, look at this stratum corneum. Like many different layers of sheets of cells, dead cells. Sometimes you can see it like that. And you can see a dark layer here, a dark layer of cells, which is the granulosum. Because of the magnification, we don't see the granules very clear, but from lower magnification, we see it as dark cells. Then we have the epidermis, and the limit of the epidermis goes here, and in this way, kind of wavy, like that. And then we get to the dermis. The dermis has two layers, and they are separated by this line. Papillary dermis and reticular dermis two different types of connective tissue. The papillary dermis is areolar connective tissue. And the reticular dermis is dense, irregular connective tissue. Hypodermis has been cut off. It's supposed to be here. All the adipose tissue, adipose cells are here below the line. So, the dermis again, two layers, papillary dermis and reticular dermis, or papillary and reticular layer. Two different types of connective tissue. Papillary layer is areolar connective tissue, and reticular, dense, irregular connective tissue. 
Let's start with some aspects or characteristics of the papillary layer. As mentioned, every other connective tissue, with all the classical components, collagen, elastic fibers, blood vessels, phagocytes, and so on. Worth mentioning, dermal papillae. What are dermal papillae? Is the part of the dermis that in the diagram we saw like wavy or is described as finger-like projections up into epidermis. And that's important because in this kind of ups and hills and projections of the dermis, that's where we find blood vessels, free nerve endings, and touch receptors. Touch receptors. And at the same time, that's the basis of, or explanation, of the fingerprint. If you see um, your fingertips with a very high magnifying glass, you will see like ridges, like grooves. Well, those grooves are seen under the microscope of these ups and downs, called the papillary dermis or papillary layer. Dermal ridges are those ups from the dermis. Epidermal ridges are what we see on the surface of the epidermis, on the surface of the skin, or we see with the, uh, with the magnifying glass on the fingertips as um, friction ridges. And that's actually the basis of the fingerprints. When we take fingerprints, what we do is stain our epidermal ridges with ink and we get the impression on the paper. These um, fingerprints are unique, as you know, not they're used for identification of, uh, of, uh, of people. But not only for fingerprints, it's actually the, the friction ridges is that it helps, they help for the gripping ability. Thanks to that is that we can grab things, especially small things, very smooth surface, small objects, and all that about the papillary layer. That's a diagram that you have in your uh, textbooks that shows what depicts this friction, friction ridges of the epidermis. And you see here openings of the sweat glands, little circles which are the openings of glands located in the dermis. Reticular layer. The next layer is called reticular layer and as a thicker of these two. Reticular layer is thicker than the papillary layer. Dense irregular connective tissue, that's what the reticular layer is. Elastic fibers, collagen fibers especially, that provide strength and keep the skin hydrated. And uh, when we describe connective tissue, we mentioned this um, component of extracellular matrix, and we say ground substance that contains these glycoproteins, and they actually bind a lot of water. And the skin is very useful, it keeps the skin hydrated. So dense irregular connective tissue, reticular layer, and of course blood vessels and uh, nerves 
In this case, we call them cutaneous plexus because they are present in the, in the skin. Adipose cells are found, especially in the deepest areas, closer to the hypodermis of subcutaneous layer. Some inter interesting facts about the reticular layer. You have seen in um, this diagram that we show here, you can see the reticular dermis and the collagen fibers like this running in different directions. That is the description of the dense irregular connective tissue. All these collagen fibers, they are specially distributed in the skin and they determine this that we call cleavage lines or tension lines. Collagen fibers are running parallel in different directions in the skin, as we see here in this diagram uh, of the human body. And we can see it sometimes on the surface of our skin, especially the folding areas or these lines that we have in the palm of the hand. There are specific places where we know that they have they are subject to more stretching or more tension. Well, that's an important concept for surgery because usually when we have to perform surgery for different reasons, the incisions that we make, they follow the cleavage lines because if we go 90 degree with the cleavage lines, those wounds will be subject to excessive tension. And we don't want that. So we always follow the direction of the cleavage lines. As long as it is it possible, because sometimes it's not possible and we have to do other types of incisions. For instance, here, for appendicitis, the incision will be in this, in this way, following the cleavage lines. Or some surgeries for the lungs, they have to go transverse in this way. Or in the upper abdomen, incisions are made in a transverse way, following the cleavage lines always. That's an interesting fact about the reticular layer. That's another fact about the reticular layer. The lines that sometimes we have in our skin called striae or stretch marks or stretch lines. Why this happened? Because of extreme stretching of the skin. This happens usually during pregnancy and um, not always. I mean, the skin has to be in a way weak. It's not necessarily that means that the person is weaker, but maybe some nutritional con uh, uh, background here. And excessive stretching is actually tearing the fibers, the collagen fibers in the reticular layer. And if you touch these lines, you actually touch like grooves because those are places where the reticular layer, the collagen fibers have torn like this and they leave a space or gap because of the excessive stretch. Will they disappear? They'll stay there forever. Well, initially they are red like this, but with the time, with the time, there are different treatments for this. Um, but they get 
white. You get white and, and some people tend to disappear, but there's always um, a, a weak part in that part of the skin. And some people, you don't notice, but you see closely, you still see some lines. It's still white. <coughs> Questions, comments to this point? Next is about the melanin or melanocytes. Importance of this, the melanin is the basis of the skin color. There are actually three types of pigments that contribute to skin color. Most important, the melanin. In this photograph that you see here, this microscopic slide is showing melanocytes which are in the basal layer, as mentioned, they are in the basal layer of the epidermis. And you see those projections from the melanocytes, projections bringing the melanosomes to this area of the granulosa or spinosum layer, which is very close to the surface. That is the point. The melanocytes, they produce the pigment and send it to the superficial layers to protect against the radiation. And now it's, uh, <clears throat> It makes sense, whenever we get exposed to the sun excessively, we activate the melanocytes. So actually, actually, the melanocytes detect the ultraviolet radiation and start producing more melanosomes, which they are sent to the surface to protect from further damage. And um, after some time, we have uh, our skin darker, commonly known as tan. Now, this statement says all humans have the same number of keratinocytes. So, the differences in color depends on the amount of melanin. It's not that if we have darker skin, it doesn't mean that we have more melanocytes. We have the same amount of melanocytes. The thing is that we produce more or less melanin. <clears throat> One common uh, manifestation of this melanocytes and melanin is uh, this is genetic, the freckles and moles are actually melanocytes that concentrate lots of melanin in their cytoplasm. And the other two pigments that uh, play a role in the skin color are the carotene and hemoglobin. Carotene is a yellow pigment, yellow to orange, which is clear, very clear in the palms of the hand. This pigment accumulates in the stratum corneum, epidermis, and it is important because it's converted uh, to vitamin A. And vitamin A has an important role in vision. In vision and to support, give nutritional support to the skin cells. Hemoglobin is a pigment that um, is present in the blood cells and that's why skin is seen as pink. If there's no melano mel melanin or few amount of melanin, the skin is shown as pink. What it's showing is the hemoglobin in the red blood cells of the blood. So a mixture of this, melanin, mass carotene, mass hemoglobin in different amounts, we have the different tones in the skin color.
cares? What is a hair? A hair is a long filament or fiber made of dead keratinized cells. Just dead cells, filled with keratin. Hairs are everywhere on the skin except palms, soles, lips, nipples, and some portions of the external genital. We have listed four functions of the hair. Hair are useful for sensitivity. We feel the air blowing because the air bends our hairs and the hairs transmit this vibration of movement to the receptors on the skin. So also the presence of insects or very small objects. Hair on the head, of course, protection. It protects from heat loss and protects us from the sunlight. Those are the basic functions, four basic functions of the hair. What is the structure, the parts of the hair? <clears throat> here in the diagram we see, the skin is here, the surface of the skin is this line. So the part of the hair that is on the surface of the skin is called the hair shaft. And the part of the hair that is under the skin is called the hair root. And what's the difference? Well, the, the, the portion that is out of the skin on the surface contains more keratin. And the part still under the skin, still keratin is in formation on the skin, and the hair is not completely keratinized. As long as it keeps growing, gets keratinized, and goes uh, above the surface of the skin. The keratin of the hair is thicker, tougher, more durable. And these cells, they remain strongly attached. So as the hair keeps growing. If we make a transverse section or cross section of the hair, we recognize up to three layers. The most superficial is the cuticle. The outer layer. Middle layer, the cortex. And the central part, central core, is called the medulla. In the medulla, we find large cells, air spaces, because these cells grow around the central part. The cortex, many layers, as we see here in this diagram here, the cortex is thicker. The medulla is a central core. And the cuticle is the layer outside, the outside layer. The cuticle is a layer that we usually dye. When we get a hair dye, what we do is stain the cuticle. These are different uh, hairs seen with uh, high magnification 
And we can see the different type of pigmentation. Melanin, we know that melanin gives this color, which is brown, black, but it depends on different degrees, different amounts of melanin, we have different colors of the hair. Now, the red hair has an additional pigment called pheomelanin. And the gray hair and white hair is because with the age, usually, production of melanin decreases. And the melanos and the skin cells, the dead cells that are part of the hair, now they contain less melanin and no melanin at all. And more air bubbles in the central core of the hair. That's how we end up with gray hair with the age. But that may be genetic. Some people have gray hair, not necessarily because of the aging process. <coughs> now, if we go to uh, the hair root and see what is the structure of the hair root, we'll see that there is, there is an area called hair matrix is the very um, bottom part or the deepest part of the hair, the base of this hair follicle. And that's where the hair is actually being produced. The hair cells are start growing in that place. One important thing associated with the hair follicle is a muscle called a rector pili. The rector pili is smooth muscle. And we see here in this small picture, a rectal pili muscle attached to the hair. And this, the muscle is the one that contracts involuntarily, smooth muscle, involuntarily. Whenever we have a reaction like a cold or sympathetic nervous reaction and rectal pili muscle contracts, pulls the hair, and the hair follicles becomes evident, like little bumps commonly known as goosebumps. Hair papilla is a dermal tissue here seen in blue, and this little part here of the base of the hair follicle. And that's where the blood vessels are that supply nutrients to these growing hair. Here we see more detail of this part. The dermal papilla, I mean the hair papilla, is part of the dermis. It's like a finger projection belonging to the dermis. Then we have <coughs> melanocytes here. Melanocytes. The hair matrix is this tip of the hair papilla, and that's where the hair starts growing actively. We see the regions that we described before, the medulla, the very core, central core, the cortex, and the cuticle. Here is this very thin white layer covering the hair. Now, <clears throat> outer to this hair, we see all these layers of cells, which is called the follicle wall. And they are actually composed by epithelial cells from the epidermis because this epidermis at some point gets inside and gives place to this hair follicle. So the hair and the hair root is covered by layers of epithelial cells or epidermis. 
Questions, comments to this point?